this is Jackie. That timbre you hear is the newest set of empty walls I've crawled into. From here, I invite you inside a more virtual room, in this case, J167, a conversation between myself and an esteemed entertainer in Birmingham, Jermaine Funnymane Johnson. Links to all of his projects in the description, including his podcast available on Facebook called We Got Bills with B. Brian Crawford. He is the comedian who took a stand last summer, which led to the removal of the Confederate statue in Lynn Park, and we open up the windows and air out some information for you to consider. Enjoy. I guess let me say this up front so you'll kind of know where my head is at. Sure. When it comes to Randall, I have one personal issue, and I rarely make things personal, you know, but that was based around him trying to throw me under the bus last year and kill my career. And, you know, that never got resolved between he and I. And of course, you know, everybody else has since then been giving me so much information about him. And, you know, some of it I researched, some of it I kind of brushed off, but I'm definitely seeing a pattern uh, with him. And then you kind of alluded to it in your, in your uh, podcast. Uh, but he, yeah, he definitely does not like criticism. But aside from that, my personal thought is that he's just not a great person to solve Birmingham's unique problems. And I say that because I don't think the business community here has <laughs> as much problems as, you know, the neighborhood communities. So uh, to be solving problems for folks that don't even have a lot of problems or giving them more, that just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, I, I'm just not just not a fan of a lot of the things that he does. Uh, I'll give him credit when he does do the right thing, but that's uh, less frequent <laughs> these days. So, yeah, that's just where my head at, man. Okay. Yeah, I'm on a similar page. I haven't had the personal experience with him. But mm -hmm. I don't hate him for all the criticism that I make. I'd make that of anybody that doesn't live their record or doesn't right. uh, do what they were going to say they were going to do. Absolutely. I really like the way you put that. Helping people with not a lot of problems make more money off of not having those problems is not a great mm -hmm. solution to any of the larger problems that we're working with. My personal issue with him is that he lies a lot. And it's bad framing to come at problems like this that are supposed to be solved by communities Right. Coming at it from a very personal, narcissistic kind of place of I know what's better and I know what to do. My solution's the only one, and that's the one we have to go with, but it's not my solution. The numbers say it, or the people who give me money advice say it. So where do you think we can go from here is the conversation that I want to have. We've got multiple issue problems, changes in the police department, going into very potentially another four years of Woodfin's administration. I don't want to keep throwing the wedge in and just doing criticism without offering other solutions. So I wanted to open this up to just toss back and forth. Where do you think we are now? Where do you think we can go from here? What do we do? What do, what do we do, Jermaine? I don't know myself. God, yeah, that's that's the million dollar question. I have <laughs> a few thoughts, but uh, where we are, uh, I feel like we are a city that is not living up to uh, a tenth of its potential. And I judge that based on, you know, the cities that we're surrounded by in Nashville. I'll even throw Memphis in there. Of course, Atlanta, uh, New Orleans, Charlotte, 
cities that are making progress on what I would say an international level. But we've had the same problems for so long. And I was talking to some people Saturday about it. And I was like, we just never had the urgency to fix the problems that we have. So I, I honestly think as citizens, we literally need to write out <laughs> the problems that we see. And of course, I think crime and poverty and poor schools would always end up at the top of those lists. And we need to talk with people in those fields that can come up with some solutions or tell us what the hell is going on inside of these schools and um, inside of these police departments and why the police and the sheriff's department don't converse, you know, why they don't usually work together and so many things. Uh, on a leadership level, I think some things need to be arranged with the Mayor Council Act. I think they need to limit or do away with appointments altogether. Uh, I think there's a lot of jobs up there designed to govern the people, but we don't put our best talent in those positions, Jackie, because the jobs are never listed. You know, the, the most talented people can never apply for these jobs. They're never listed. People are just appointed. And it's a friend click system that's been going on in Birmingham for way too long. And uh, I think it's holding us back. So that that's where I would start. That's a great place to start, I think. Mm -hmm. The public being able to participate in the day-to-day -day and broader decisions of the city would be a great change. City Hall does not seem like it's... <laughs> When it's unlocked to the public, it doesn't seem like a place where people have any kind of influence. So it seems like I can't get broad enough with my criticism. Ultimately, these are people that found themselves in these positions for whatever reason, for a million reasons. I can't help but look at it from almost an existential kind of way where Randall or Daniel Coleman or any of these other people that pursued their lives to this end, this is where they put themselves in the cases of a lot of people, you know, they might have been influenced from a very early age to be a police chief or wanted to be mayor since they were young or whatever. But I get the feeling that it was never a living practice. Like, I'm going to be in this in this position and do anything but run my own playbook. Now, I feel uh, that was another conversation I had. I think uh, very few people want to lead, but a lot of people want to control. There's a lot of control and celebrity that have come with these positions, but not a lot of leadership. And we look like a city that doesn't have great leadership. I know I mentioned all these other towns uh, before, but I should have brought it a little bit closer and compared us to Hoover, Malmbrook, Vestavia. Uh, I went and did research on several of their mayors just to see, you know, what their background was. And everybody that I looked up, whether it was the mayor of uh, Homewood or uh, Alabaster, they all of them had one thing in common. They had a background in management. I saw some that had been managing businesses. I saw some that had management degrees from the university so on and so forth, but I saw management on all of their resumes and it made me think, well, our last few mayors, what even qualified them to run a city? <laughs> uh, I'll give you know some of them credit for the fact that they have been in city government for 
a long time, but if they've been under a terrible system, then, then they're just, you know, the recurring part of the problem. So we're just not doing it right. And I'm separating governing from politics. I think politics is the stuff you say and do to get in office. And then the governing is what you actually do when you're in that office, but they're still of their politic and instead of governing and, and running this city. Right. We find ourselves in a situation now where I think the best potential leaders, not the best potential politicians, they can't run. They can't be, they don't have political power to lose. They have service in their communities that they're serving. Not only if they were to run for office, would they not have the time and resources to do the work that maybe only a few people are doing in this area, mutual aid is just an example, but they also risk being demonized as disinformation because they disagree with the mayor. And we're missing out on this huge cross-section of people that would be good leaders, but the politicking is by the people that they are, they're not going to do that. Right. We need the people that aren't going to do the politicking, but now we're too far out. Money in politics, is it capitalism? What Most likely, but what is it? I know you've told the story too many times, but in a few minutes, what happened with the protests last year? Right. For for people in my audience that don't know of you, <laughs> can't be many. Uh, could you summarize that briefly? Yeah, I give you the shortest version I could. For years, I knew about this statue, this Confederate statue that was sitting downtown in Lynn Park in Birmingham, and I saw two mayors community activists and everybody make an attempt to get it down for whatever reason. And I saw the state intervene and say, no, if you, if you try to touch it, you know, it's going to cost you this and that. So everybody kind of took their hands off. And I was like, you know, y'all, if y'all really want to do it, you, you, you know, you really didn't have to make a scene out of it. You could have just did it. It's right there in front of the building where you work for the past 115 years, but you could have just did it and the state probably would have never known. Uh, so that was that. I was actually in contact with uh, the current mayor via uh, Twitter DM when I saw him on TV a year or two ago uh, talking about the statue. And I was giving him a little history on it that he didn't know. I still got screenshots available. You know, me and Mayor Woodfin, we had a, I would say we had a pleasant relationship for a long time. Not that I was heavy political. I was just more of a, you know, mentor in the community type person, this and that. Uh, fast forward to the George Floyd incident and we're all locked down in the house and, you know, all of these frustrations are building up and I get a chance to speak at a rally around George Floyd here in Birmingham and I just got tired of going to rallies and people not doing anything, but, you know, holding signs, taking selfies and then going home. Uh, George Floyd and the many, many black names that have been murdered by police and also that have been murdered by senseless violence. These people do not get to go home. So that only built to the frustration. And I don't know, man, I didn't have a, a prepared speech or anything. That day, I just said what I felt. And, you know, we went down, met up at the statue. I encouraged people to come meet me so we could, you know, rearrange a little furniture in our park. And they came. And, uh, you know, we did our best to uh, 
to get it down physically. But man, that thing was stubborn as racism itself. I mean, it was that it was it was deeply rooted and just really stuck in there. But we were we were chipping away at it, you know, as we could. And and then city officials came down and tried to grandstand and, you know, be the hero of this thing being removed, which I say they had years to do it. But, you know, when they tried to grandstand, the crowd turned on them. And uh, people were displeased. You know, I encouraged them to go home and I'll see y'all back here on Tuesday. Uh, but something changed that night. You know, people got a lot of frustrations and some of the young people took it out on windows and businesses. And I never told them to do that. That, you know, so that's what blew my mind when I got blamed for encouraging them to do that. And I'm like, I didn't do that. Like, hey, we got it on tape. Y'all know I didn't do that. But when the mayor was asked on TV while thousands of people in the city are watching, they were asked about me by name. And instead of him saying, no, man, didn't do that. He's not that type of guy. He says, I need to be put in check. <laughs> All of the local media kind of followed his lead and made me the face of the riots and the looting. And I just did not know what was going on, Jackie. Like, <laughs> is this for real? So I didn't even let it get me down, man. The next day we went out and uh, raised money that day for took up donations and cut checks to all of the businesses that got hit the previous night. Just kept pushing forward and just seeing how much they were going to lie on me to try to make me the villain. And thank God, you know, I have a fairly large platform. So I was able to tell my version of the story, the true version. And I was able to show clips of what I said and what I didn't say. And then people started, you know, changing their tune like, oh, wait. Oh, so he really didn't do that. Ah, and now I get calls from the media and city officials and they're sounding different because the people are now putting pressure on them for putting the warrant out for my arrest. And, you know, eventually the charges got dropped. And for the most part, people stopped uh, associating me with the looting, but they did, they still do associate me with the statue coming down, which I got no problem with. But I think now we've gotten to a place where they stopped associating me with the craziness that happened later on that night. But to some some folks, because of what the mayor said on TV that day and other news outlets, I'll always be associated with it. And I'm completely at peace with these folks being absolutely wrong. I'm glad to hear that. You had a conversation with Mayor Woodfin in the midst of that. I'll give everybody three and a half conversations. And let me explain. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the first conversation was the night at the statue. So like I said, he, he tries to tell everybody he's going to finish the job. Crowd wasn't feeling it. They felt it was political talk. So here's me in his first conversation where he's literally negotiating with me to tell these people, the crowd that's out there, to tell them that he needs more time. And at one point on the video, and I, I lived it, so I remember there's still video 
he says, um, well, just tell him I need till Friday. I said, Mayor, I can't do that. I said, if you tell these people to leave and wait, there's no telling what's going to happen. Um, and then he says, well, you got to tell them because you're their leader. And I said, huh. sir, you're the mayor. <laughs> it's like, yes. just, you know, just tell them what you need to be told. So that was interesting. And then we, I guess we negotiated and decided that by Tuesday at 12, it would be down. We walked away. I didn't know it at the time, but I think that was the beginning of him feeling away about me. And keep in mind, this is before all the rocks and stuff is thrown through the windows, the way he walked off. Uh, that's time number one. Here's the point five, the half. Uh, we're out the next day meeting with businesses, uh, trying to get checks written to these businesses that have been hit. And the second time I pop up at uh, Dr. Adams, popped up at our optometry shop, uh, ready to deliver a check, and Mayor Woodfin is there. So I wait until they finish speaking, and he walks past me. I was like, hey, Mayor, you know, when you're ready to talk, I know, you know, I, know, I understand your position. I know it's not easy. You know, I was telling him something like that, and he just, like, doesn't say anything, kind of brushes me off. I had a moment of clarity. I was like, no, where I'm from, I know what that means. That means you got issue. Like, okay. I was like, I was like I, I'll, I'll deal with that later. I, I don't have time right now. I'm trying to get these checks out. So here comes uh, to the second time. What are we up to now? This will be two and a half. Yes. <laughs> So after he says what he says on the press conference about me being needed to be put in check, I go on my Facebook and I, you know, I kind of lash out at the press and city officials. And I make a, I, I want to say it was a threat. It was definitely a promise. I was like, you know, I've let this go on too far. Y'all trying to throw me under the bus. I see what's going on, but I tell you what. I know all of y'all very, very well. I know a lot of people up at City Hall very well. I know a lot of media people very well. So this is what we're going to do. I said, I was going to give y'all a deadline, but I'm not giving y'all a damn deadline. When the next time I come on this Facebook Live, I'm coming with names, receipts. I'm telling everything I could tell about these people, and I'm going to clear my name. And I'm going to drag y'all's name. I said, I got about 700,000 people following me on my social media accounts. And probably they'll share with a few more. So if y'all don't call me and talk to me and clear this up, when I get back on this live, <laughs> the gloves are off. Click. And I got off. AL.com calls. NBC calls. Fox 6 calls. The mayor didn't call at first, but somebody, one of his associates called. But I'm like, nah, he need to call me. So I reached out uh, a mutual friend of ours, and then he calls within like the next two minutes. <laughs> he had a really bad attitude. No. His tone was really aggressive with me. And I asked him straight up. The first question was, as a mayor, do you think that I encourage people to tear up the city. And his response was something like, 
you don't understand my position. You don't, you're not responsible for this and that. And uh, you don't have to deal with what I have to do with. I say, hey, I respect that. But the question is, do you think that I encourage people to do that? He never answered the question, of course. And he just goes on a tangent about some other stuff. And I said, Randall, look, you know me. You know I wouldn't do that. Why would you go on TV to even make it seem like I did that? And I aired out my grievances. He kind of aired out mine. I calmed down. And I say, look, man, what do you need? Well, first of all, I apologize to him and some people on his staff. I said, I didn't have any right to hijack y'all's program. That's what I'm apologizing for. But I'm not apologizing for what happened late that night because I didn't do that. Um, and I said, what do you need from me, bro? Again, it's me not making it personal. Uh, he said, well, I need you to go on and, and tell people, you know, if they know something, say something, this, that. I said, that's it? He said, that's it. Done. Got it recorded. Went right back on Facebook. Told him. I said, y'all, I got all my calls. Talked to the news station. Talked to the mayor. So I, It's a shame I had to go to that length to do it. <laughs> but I got the calls. The articles changed. Uh, the media uh, angle changed after that. But then I get one of my buddies who's my fraternity brother and also works for uh, police department said, hey, man, uh, there's a warrant out for you. And I said, what? Warrant? <laughs> so now I talk to my lawyer. My lawyer's like, man, just, this is some BS. Just turn yourself in and I'll handle this and that go turn myself in. And my lawyer kind of put the word out, put the APB out and Black Lives Matter organization and other people call wins like what? Why would they lock him up? You know, you had some people, Confederate sympathizers, they were like, yeah, yeah, lock him up. He did this, this, that. But the streets were talking and the city was talking. They was like, oh, hell no. Hell no. Y'all got Maine locked up? Like, nah, 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 nah. Keep in mind why I got a warrant out Randall is on national TV with Al Roker and CNBC. And the headline is the mayor who removed the Confederate oh statue. He's on national, making a national press run. Well, I got a warrant out and I'm having to turn myself in. That's when I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with him. What was the warrant for? Uh, for inciting a riot. Of course it was. Okay. Right, right. So now... I go through the, the process. I, I was literally at the jail for like 30 minutes. I wouldn't mean I never saw <laughs> I never saw a prison cell or nothing like that. I had on handcuffs for about five minutes, printed, got my thumbprints, all that. That's literally all it was. But I'm heated. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I knew what they were trying to do. Like now here we're catching so much heat from uh, what happened late that night, they just needed a scapegoat to cover up what city officials did not do and within their means to possibly curb that from happening. Throwing me under the bus doesn't solve any problems for him. Now he's got more heat because all of the organizations are like on him. Like, why would you lock him up and you take credit? Everybody knows he started that movement to get the statue down and people are just 
telling him everything. So now here's the last conversation between me and Randall. We haven't talked since then. He calls. He doesn't have an attitude. He's not. Uh, <laughs> he's not all rah rah. He's just, hey man, I wasn't responsible for the warrant. I'm not coming for you. I didn't have nothing to do with this. I didn't have nothing to do with that. Uh, the people that I, I basically was saying I'm not responsible for nothing. I didn't do nothing. And I probably said maybe five words, that whole conversation. I just let him talk to just see how much he would lie. And at the end, I think I just said, thank you for clearing that up. And I hung up the phone. Yeah, we've just been done ever since, man. He's he's he, he is really a liar, man. It's it's really a shame. Thank you for being strong through that whole situation. I don't know how a lot of people would react to being gaslit by the mayor of a major city. I want to just zoom back out for a second. Neither of us started in a position where we hated this guy. You're involved in the city and you're involved in all these people's lives that you're serving. Everything you just said completely affirms the pattern that I think more and more people are seeing. We're not going to get service out of this, out of Mm. him as an individual or out of the people that are propping all of this up. It's a weird like Ponzi scheme of PR cred which is all you have when you don't have the facts to back it up. If nobody pays attention to what you do, you can get away with it. And if they call you out for it, then spin is the name of the game. You hit the nail on the head about him. It's the pattern. Pattern of doing some dumb shit and then acting like not only was I not responsible, but I am just, I'm innocent. I had no influence over the situation, which is just not true. So there's just a pattern of him being a not straight up person. And I think with Birmingham's unique set of issues, I think we need the exact opposite of him to lead us out of these many issues. And not to create compounding issues of different kinds. Mm-hmm. in the process would also be very good. Well, he did that one. He created a huge uh, compounding problem that's about half a mile from my house, and it's going to cost us $90 million over the next 30 years, which that was just a bad deal to make. Um, and I'm talking about the stadium for anybody that's listening. For us to pay that much money in contrast to what other entities are throwing in the pot for this stadium. And that was just that was just a bad deal for that to be his big first deal coming in. Of course, you don't see them promoting as they talk about revitalization and moving forward. For some reason, the stadium always gets left out of that conversation. He doesn't take a lot of credit for that stadium for some reason. Well, he campaigned against it. Right. So him getting his entire platform from the grassroots coalition. And once he got in on that platform and they gave him an agenda of things to do for the community. And he not only abandoned the entire agenda, but he got rid of everybody associated with that coalition. (laughs) It's really, really, really just amazing to see a lot of the stuff that still goes on with this pension business, with the library business, with the Sherman Industries business, 
for him to tell it, he had no influence over it. He just, you know, it was a hard decision. Then when people start bucking against it, hey, I saved the day. I brought back the pension and the cola for everybody. Hey, neighborhood, I stopped Sherman from coming to your neighborhood, even though I was the one signing off on them, getting as far as they got anyway. So it's it's just a pattern of deceit. Yeah, just just lying and just not being <laughs> a good person. Yeah. Well, we're too stupid to understand the grift. Like, why would we have any reason to say anything against it? Because we must have political aspirations. Like, you're not running for mayor. Nope. You're not running for city council. Nope. You're not a politician. You're you have your work. <laughs> right. You know, you're you're doing the thing that you do. Same for me. I'm gonna run for mayor, but for my own special reasons. So I can get on a debate wow. stage if there will be one. I, I continue to joke until I don't. Gotcha. I don't know. You can't break it down any further than he's going to do what is profitable for the, his interests. Right. He's going to run his game. And it's the opposite of what we want. And so where those two things clash in the middle, there has to be a lie. So here we get to where we go from here. People need to know more of the stuff. And I'm glad you're speaking out. I've loved the think tank appearances. I'm glad Chris Coleman is doing that work. There are lots of people talking, and this is becoming much more of the narrative that something might be wrong, and we might need to pay better attention. As far as mobilizing that into things, obviously we can't go protest, and it might not be expedient for us to do that same kind of protest going forward. Mm -hmm. Vote needs to be mobilized, always has been. What do you think? What are your... Because you're a creative person. What are the interesting creative ways you think that maybe we could move this forward that haven't been done before oh my god jackie if i if i can <laughs> answer that clearly man i will bottle it up and sell it there but that's <laughs> been the main thing like there's been so many conversations and i'll add this one to it uh, a lot of people are frustrated a lot of people feel like they you know they see the bad things that are going on nobody knows right now if i had full control what I would do, like you said, I, I would organize people and give them just hard, hardcore facts. But when I gave it to them in a perfect world, they would actually care and we would actually do something about it. Like, because we've seen that pressure does work. You know, pressure can get the statue down. Pressure can get the libraries back open. Pressure can get the, the stuff around the pension restored. But a lot of times people don't really, and I'm speaking just in Birmingham, they don't really like to get in the pressure cooker unless it like fall. It's literally got to fall right on their front doorstep before they care. I don't know. I don't think everybody cared about the pension. That was the city workers leading that fight because that came to their front doorstep. And then you had uh, some people who are running for office that kind of got involved. And so it became a big thing. Ah, oh, man. I don't mean to just lay that question at your feet. <laughs> like, like we got to find that answer together. But yeah, absolutely. It's layered, but we need to keep having these type of conversations until we arrive at an answer. It definitely makes you feel better to have conversations like this. It does. But then something happens again. And then you're like, okay. We got to solve a problem. Like, we got to do something. Yeah. Th there has to be a solid win. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I wanted to ask a question that I'm I'm not tentative about asking, but I don't know the best way to ask. Oh, please, just fire away. So the Hoover protests, June and July was the main period that those were going on. A number sticks in my head, and I'm, I'm just going to start from here with hopes of the best good faith from everybody listening. I think there were 200 arrests, and the average bail was about five grand. So that's $10,000 that ended up being crowdfunded essentially to give Hoover PD for the right to protest. Right. I don't think anybody, especially in the leadership, thought that we're going to walk up to Hoover and we're going to say this is wrong. It's going to fix everything and they're not going to retaliate. I don't think any of these people are fools, you know. Right. But it's a situation where pigs want to bust skulls. And by the nature of what that form of protest is, we got to go up and stand in front of that. Uh, obviously, that's been forced off the table now, that option. I'm not as up to date on the Federal House Bill 1. I think it's the John Lewis Act that stands to make a lot of these corrections. So everything's kind of up in the air with this. But as far as the state bill, the state anti-protest bill, it makes everything rioting. If you crowdfund bail, you participated in a riot. Sorry. On the one hand, that's maybe foreseeable a few steps ahead. Cops mm-hmm. are going to do this. The establishment's going to react in this way. Capital's going to react in this way. I'm tentative asking the question because I don't want to cry anybody's action. No, 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 no. Those There's protests no are like they brought the same visibility to that issue in Hoover that wasn't being brought. That number sticks in my head when I go and look at donors. I don't know if it's the state maximum for donors, but I think $10,000 per entity is the maximum that I saw. Woodfin's donors, Treadaway, that is a former assistant police chief that uh, is the sponsor right. of the pension bill. Right. Coleman, Senate sponsor of a similar bill. Anti-trans bills looked into all those uh, those people. Mm. So that's a very not sexy and not appealing idea. It's almost worse than than paying bail. We're going to give mm-hmm. it straight to the politicians. We're going to lobby. We're going to crowdfund $10,000 and lobby. I'm, I'm curious if you've heard anything. Have you heard anything better than that in, in these conversations? What, what's your takeaway on that? I, I have not heard anything better. I, you know, Treadaway's name just keeps coming up and he is showing himself to be a very problematic individual for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think on the surface, anybody could see that, you know, that bill. And then they were talking about punishment for any cities that, you know, defund the police, mm-hmm. quote unquote. So, that was a direct reaction to what happened last summer. Like they they really just saying we want to break people's pockets, shut them up or throw them in a cage for exercising their First Amendment right. That's basically all it is in a nutshell is they don't want us to speak up. Well, good luck with that, because, you know, we're going to keep speaking I think that the most interesting thing I saw in the bill, which I I was wondering if it had a little personal toward funny man in it, but it it was like if you're convicted of inciting a riot, you will not be able to run for public office. I was like, oh yeah, well, that one was interesting. <laughs> it is really just a hammer on a nail. It's a very profound fuck you back off move. Absolutely. And you know, that's been the white supremacist playbook for years. You know, we're going to try to scare you out of doing everything. But I think they'll learn with this new generation. I wouldn't even say the new generation uh, with Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Zers. They're built differently. 
you know, I don't think a lot of them are thinking about how you might try to tear me up in the media or what little money you might try to take away. Because number one, I don't really got no image for you to tear up in front of the media like that. Number two, how much money are you going to take? I don't really have a lot. And when I say I, I'm just talking about people in general, these young people. And you've literally got a few that have been to jail and they don't, it don't really phase them like that. <laughs> like they know how to survive in those walls. So yeah, I just don't think these, these things are going to fly. I haven't done an update. I don't know where the bill is uh, right now as, as we're doing this interview, but I know it's not into law as of yet. So I, I just don't think it's going to work in their favor like they're intending. I don't. Let's hope so. Yeah, we we've got it. We got to be smarter. Uh, we got to be smarter about it. Learn how to manipulate the media for ourselves. And when I say manipulate, I kind of mean like having our own partnership with them. Uh, these are the things that save my reputation and save my career. Having a good rapport with different people, different relationships, it it, it helps to get a different narrative out there. There's a smarter, more effective way to do it, but it's good. It's going to be tougher this time. And depending on how this Chauvin trial ends up, you know, it looks like it might be another long, long summer and we're still in a pandemic. So we really just got to buckle up right now. Yeah, Jackie, it's going to be it's going to be a fight moving forward. But, you know, let's throw some blows. What else do we have? That's it. I don't have nothing to lose. <laughs> right. Right. I don't want to live in Birmingham 2050 as the world's burning and uh-huh. it's a playground for the rich. I don't want this to become a pleasure city. I want the people here to be right. served. I'm glad you said that the pleasure cities, because as I talk about those cities from earlier, I think that's what they, for the most part, become. But I feel like Birmingham has a unique opportunity to actually solve his problems. Like, I think we can have elite schools because I know we've had elite schools before. Like, I I know we can have a stronger middle class and more people moving into the city because we've had that before. Uh, I just try to look at where it might have went wrong. And all of it, to me, it, it starts with desegregation and some things that happened in the 70s with, you know, white flight and other things. But I think we've got a unique opportunity to get this thing turned around and not push out people based on their income. But I think that they too can be a part of this this renaissance. And I know that when that renaissance happens, everybody is going to want the formula across the country, like Birmingham. What? How did y'all do it? What did y'all do? And I think for anybody who does want money, <laughs> if you can solve that problem, that's the money. The Solving the problems is where the money is. But nobody wants to really solve no problems. So <sighs> here we are. I would just encourage everybody in Birmingham to continue to listen to the voices that people may be trying to shut up. Uh, know who the real enemy is, know who's working for you and know who's working for themselves. And I know that seems loaded, but 
the truth is always out there. If you really want it, if you just keep searching hard enough, if you just keep listening to the right people, the truth is is out there and it's not that far from you. <laughs> you got to listen to the voices that that the media and other people are trying to shut up. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Jackie. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. You too. Anything you need, if I can walk your dog, pick up some <laughs> groceries for you. Let's mutual aid each other in the future. Don't be a Say no more. I'm going to hold you to that. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Here's Jackie with a few brief footnotes. Feet notes. Firstly, an update to HP 445. As of March 30th and my research on the 15th of April, the bill was introduced and read for the first time before the Senate Judiciary Committee, who will deliberate and vote to advance the bill to the Senate floor, which is the last stop before ratification sends it to the governor in Withering. Links are in the description to each member of the Judiciary Committee. I wanted to add that the city does not draw revenue from any profits of the stadium. The abstract claim that any kind of meaningful prosperity might come from business generated by the BJCC expansion, and Randall's claim to the Birmingham Times that 100% of profits from tourism go straight to the 99 neighborhoods are untruths. The stadium was built for the purpose of establishing wealth connections and contracts that are profitable for a select group of investors and point toward moneyed investments in the city going forward to make it the tech hub that it is burgeoning towards. Jermaine said something that hit me like a truck about a day later. Solving the problems is where the money is, I think he said. And one day, I do wish that other cities ask, what did Birmingham 2050 do to triumph like it did? And I hope that we may say in response that we ousted the corrupt and ran the government for the people. We understood that beneath the neoliberal lie that the prosperity for the rich that is being created means some kind of progress for all, a general uplifting, is the undeniable truth that when the priorities of the people are allowed to live out through an effective and open government, all of society benefits except for the greed hounds that wish to exploit the lifetime of others. In this short conversation, I wanted to point in a general direction of help, though a lot of those ideas that we talked about need to be expounded more fully to be able to stand on their own, I think. And it's been remarked to me that I don't need to be lumped in with a whole group of naysayers that are nothing but that, the hate Randall crowd. But I feel like directing my criticism to the person that has stood at the forefront of leading people astray in the city, at least in the last few years, I hope to demonstrate how we can do better. The justification of a better solution by its absence in comparison to the evidence that is all around us elsewhere in the world that life can be better for everyone. And it's not a matter of innovating anything or really even rethinking anything. The evidence is there. It's the fact that powerful people who have put themselves in those positions are keeping that from happening, despite our wishes. And when I say our, I don't mean <laughs> the left in scare quotes. I mean people in general, like a general cross-section of the population. I would point to a survey, but there are a thousand surveys that want this kind of thing done, that want the government to work for the people. So yeah, if you stand up and get in the way of that for your own interest, I think it's quite proper that people don't take you seriously.
I've improvised a bit too much, and I want to send you off into the night. Thank you for your time. With the genuine faith that we can do better, as Jermaine said, we can turn this thing around. We go again into the mist. Meet your neighbors, do a good thing, and be well. Be well.